High Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is High Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss everything that's important for life actually I always try to think what do we discuss everything I guess that would be uh, the simple answer but mainly we focus on what would make us better people what will help us influence ourselves our families our communities and even the country and the world step by step just how to make the world that we want to live in a reality getting there is through hard work and learn and through many discussions that we have here with the different therapists, professionals, doctors, rabbis, etc. on the show. And today I'm here with Daniel Dan Hollander, who is a clinical psychologist working and quite aware in the space of uh, organized crime and trauma. And we're going to have to see how we go there together with Jacob uh, Nukowski, who is from the Holocaust Center in Cape Town. I think both of you today are, we are talking to Cape Town uh, from that direction. And we're going to be discussing a bit about what we're going through as a collective, as a group, with what's happening to our nation as a trauma history today, and so much more, because history is so important when we actually know how to learn from it and realize what we're doing and what needs to change. Uh, so let's start by just introducing ourselves and knowing. Good afternoon, Daniel. Thank you so much for being with us today. Ach, thank you for having me back on the show. With pleasure, Daniel. Tell us a bit about yourself for those of you who does, doesn't know you and your role. So my name is Daniel Den Hollander. I'm a clinical psychologist working in Cape Town. And um, my big interests are around trauma but also, which I think is very important in, in, in South Africa, is around structural violence, um, specifically with the difficulties that we've had, both present and living through a past, um, with, with our own past here in South Africa. Um, you know, we've only been 30 years a democracy, and uh, though 30 years is a long time to bring some social change, uh, we're still very much uh, bound by the traumas that happened to us in our own uh, conflicted past. Okay. And good afternoon to Jacob. And thank you so much for being with us today. Jacob, you are the director of the Cape Town Holocaust and Genocide Center. Tell us a bit about what you do. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, yes, um, I'm originally from Poland, where I run a Jewish museum for the last uh, number of years, for 13 years. And I actually um, uh, moved into Cape Town uh, a couple of months ago. So I'm still very fresh to that very uh, uh, environment. Um, and uh, it is an exciting time and, and very interesting time to be here, especially in South, South Africa. You know, you're saying fresh in the position, but things are changing so fast that I think everybody's fresh in their position as specifically. And I'm just trying to think if we would have spoke a year ago, uh, maybe the words of Holocaust and genocide would have had a different meaning. And suddenly genocide has become a word that we hear uh, and see and is all around us in every direction. Almost a question that I wonder if we're not losing a bit of the meaning of what a genocide really is. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there uh, definitely. 
Are you guys specifically busy in relevance to what's happening around the world today? Jacob, maybe we'll start with the um, museum. Well, thank you. Yes, I mean, at the center, uh, we are and we're not in, in, in the same sense. Uh, we are uh, because we've seen that, of course, there is a there is a growth in interest. Uh, people are interested what it is uh, that is happening, what it is that that is this entire G word, uh, the genocide word. They they do try to understand. So so we see that yes, there are the number of, of visitors of groups are going uh, up despite what's what's happening or maybe be in because of what's happening um, and that's for us of course uh, an opportunity opportunity to 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 speak to work with 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 even more mostly kids uh, learners students from from uh, schools um, and and explain them about about the Holocaust and genocide and yes I mean we we're we're very clear clearly um, describing what makes genocide a genocide um, and that's not being done in contrary so it's not that we're we're looking at what's happening in uh, today in, in other places in, in in Israel and Palestine to say that this is not a genocide we're not comparing genocide Holocaust to other acts we're explaining what made Holocaust what made Rwanda what made Bosnia or, 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 or other uh, acts of genocide different from many other horrible things that happened throughout the history. Uh, but it's also, of course, a challenge because, yes, we're under lots of pressure. We are very much concerned with what's what, what is happening uh, in, in Israel and in Gaza. We are um, heartbroken because of number of victims on, on both sides. Uh, and we're looking forward, like everybody, for some kind of um, a peaceful solution. Okay. So looking at what, what is happening, and, and I, I do want to move over to Daniel and ask from your side of things, because, you know, Jacob is talking a lot about the past, the history, and, and kind of what we learn from there and what we see. But let's talk about what's happening now in real time. How do we get to a point of so much trauma, animosity, challenges, even between people that actually have no idea what's happening? are still taking sides and getting involved and getting a position and, and, and really taking a toll. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's exactly that. It's, uh, it, it, it's unavoidable, especially in Cape Town. Um, I think what makes it maybe, I, I don't know if it's a privilege or a curse, I'm still working it out, but as a, as a psychologist, um, you know, you never know who comes through your door and um, in regards with that, um, I've got quite an interesting, um, I, I don't know if multicultural is the right word, but it, diversity feels like a better word, but such a diverse um, clientele, um, it, it opens you up to different worldviews, to different perspectives, to different ways. Uh, and I think, you know, it, the, the thing, and maybe that's an important thing to say is, what makes South Africa so unique on the world scale is that it, South Africa was the first time that in a country that went through the regime that we went through, the apartheid regime, that, um, the, the, that the minority that controlled the majority stayed on post um, the liberation in 1994. And so it becomes the great social experiment of the world is South Africa. How do we integrate when there's been so much violence 
Um, and specifically because a lot of the violence came down to what happens when a psychologist decides to become the president of the country um, with the work of, of well, with, with the, the tyranny of, of Hendrik Verwoerd, that that, in a sense, starts to bring about where it is within the South African context. Um, we are a country that is trying as much as possible to integrate, to celebrate diversity. Um, and in some forms it does. Uh, if you look at, for example, uh, although it's, it's very symbolic more than anything else, but the rugby team that just won the World Cup. Sorry, as you can hear, there's, there's screaming happening in the background. I'm, I'm still very much a father. Um, but, you know, with the World Cup and, and the fact that it was the first time that a coach and a captain celebrated our diversity instead of calling it a quota system, and we, we, we're world best at the moment and have been for the last I, eight I years. I can't, I can't resist. We're, we're, we're going to have to go for a break. And when we come <laughs> back, we'll ask. But is, is when we look at the rugby, but then we also look at the cricket and we yeah. look at how, how much diversity are we actually celebrating with our sports. But we'll get back to that right after the break. Uh, this can, I, I'll give you a second to think. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9, we are back and we've just started a discussion about uh, trauma, collective trauma, uh, what we're going through, the effects in the world, and specifically about um, what is happening these days. And right before the break, Daniel, as a clinical psychologist, spoke about us celebrating our diversity in our sports team, which led me right to the cricket, cricket <laughs> question. Um, are we celebrating a diversity? I mean, we can answer that in two specific ways and I think the most important way is to say it's the difference between integration happening on ground level and integration trying to be enforced through policies and structures. That's the difference. I don't think that the, the box story is down to um, Saru getting it right. It came down to an, a person um, from a privileged position willing to take on a structural violence element, the quota system, in order to bring integration and brilliance to people who for generation on generation on generation were made to feel as if they were inferior, as if they were not allowed to be. Um, and that 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 was the story of, of Rossi and Sia. Whereas with the, with the crickets, you see that it's almost a bit like um, you, you don't have the same integration issue. And for, in, in regards with that, I mean, we're now sort of delving a little bit out. Um, so to bring it back onto the topic is what I am noticing now is we have within the Cape Town area a very difficult situation because the diversity or the celebration of diversity is being rocked. And then diversity turns into division. And division then has a perceived enemy and a perceived friend. And people who don't know each other suddenly have that perception of each other onto them. And then we're in a very, very dangerous place. And so, what happens specifically within the South African context is because it only has been 30 years, all of a sudden old habits 
come flooding back in. And so then what happens is that the principles on which our societies are built upon get rocked too. And that's, then you have on the top an attempt to try and, uh, I don't know why politicians are always in control. I think we should start actually um, using politicians as a cuss word. Uh, I've always wanted to say, you know, you're as lazy as a politician. Um, and that's the other side of structural reason. violence, which we'll have to get to. Exactly. And we know, we know that the, 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 the absolute power and, and, and brilliance and answers and innovations do not come from politicians. They come from communities. And, and, and that has a reason for it, because we know that collectively we are strong. If we think of, of, of why the only animal or organism that is stronger than a human being is probably a virus, um, we're on top of the food chain otherwise, is because of two things that we have that makes us so unique. Our ability to be collective and our imagination on the difficulties of life. But imagination, unfortunately, has two sides. It has a constructive side that brought us to the moon, that gave us incredible movies and incredible stories, but it also has a perceptual issue. It can also bring in hate, prejudice, and hurt. And that's the difficulty, is how to find that way in which we can create from there a sense of diversity instead of division. So from there, I, I, I'm going to go to Jacob because I think he's holding a crucial role over here. Because if we learn from history and we talk about, you know, the Museum of Holocaust and Genocide that you are, uh, not museum, sorry, the center, and that you are uh, a director of, and that was a time in history that was horrific, uh, specifically as a Jew, I can say, uh, what we've gone through and seeing all my family, the majority of our family destroyed. Um, and at the same time, understanding that it also started from the leaders, from the politicians, from the government. And that's where the challenge happened. But you're educating the people today to try get to a point that it doesn't that the nation will not accept the politician direction of genocide of destroying a nation and destroying culture when we're seeing today a reality of jewish people feeling unsafe and targeted in south africa and to the point that we are seeing it and and Hopefully, it will not get worse and not uh, not get extreme. And, I, and I'm sorry if I'm upsetting any of the listeners. Uh, however, I do feel that your message, Jacobo, is from the center is always you can't be silent and you have to talk. So we're going to do that. And when you see that and you see the, the, the direction, like Daniel mentioned, from politicians getting involved and leading a certain way and people that are, are local and, and actually have no involvement and I'm talking about the people targeted have no involvement in the Middle East what is happening and how do we uh, structure a society that understands that we do need to keep the distance and we do need to stand up and say well so what if this is our government official agenda 
how do we not get pulled into hating other individuals or fighting under individuals or just having an immensity as a society and, and stay the diversity nation that we should be? Well, um, you're right. Um, and, and I mean, as a historian, um, you know, our, our obsession is in the past. So, so we're, we're not in the business of, of providing um, solutions for the future. That's actually the politicians that could, that should have uh, um, be, be focusing on. And, and the problem is when, the, when suddenly the, the politicians, instead of focusing on making our future better, they are trying to make our past better. Uh, uh, and to make someone's past better, you need to um, blame all the, the mishappenings, all the failures, all the horrible things that happened to you as a nation, as a group. You need to find a scapegoat. You need to blame those past wrongdoings on someone to make yourself, your group, just just, just innocent, a, a better, a victim. Um, and and this is what, what what what's been happening um, in the past, and, and in that sense, leaders today we're calling them politicians, and uh, in, in the in the old times we would call them yes, uh, kings or or, or or priests or or, or or other nobility. Today we call them politicians. Um, yes, I mean they've been always trying to, or very rarely they were looking at the greater good. They were already looking at, at, at our good uh, for, for, for to make our lives better. But unfortunately, in most cases, it was about them or about nations, about something that is far greater than, than individual uh, uh, beings like, like, like the three of us. Um, so, so it's nothing new that the politicians are using us, are sparking anger uh, or, 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 or are trying to bribe us or are trying to, to take us with, with their visions of the future. And, and as Daniel said, that may be a very positive vision. So we collectively uh, uh, do something that is, that is hard, but then the results are wonderful. Uh, we build something together. We, we we construct something that was improving our lives. But often, unfortunately, we are being directed against someone. Um, we are being shown that enemy. We are being given a sword, and then we are being asked to do the fighting with. And then you you just put the name in our mouth, and we're going and shouting and and dying. Um, so that's nothing new, and that hasn't changed. That's that's Nazi Germany in the 1930s, where you have a, a, a small party in the late 1920s that suddenly is, is finding the right language, the right language, the right leaders, the right... Um, it, it's, it's able to identify the real problems. Um, or at least some of those problems, fear, lack of, lack of, lack of trust in the future, uh, uh, changing reality of the world. Um, uh, you know, changing uh, roles in the society. Uh, um, and now you can ask yourself, if I'm still talking about Europe of 1920s or maybe world of, of, of today, when you can see the same shift. People, we are afraid because the world around us is changing, rapidly changing. Uh, our roles, as, as a predefined roles, when you, uh, you are a man, so you're working in your factory or, or anywhere else, you're bringing money, wife is waiting at home, cooking, you're you're the prime. Uh, uh, you're the you're the master uh, in, in your home. Now this is all changing. I mean, Daniel, as I understand, is, is stuck at home with 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 child. I mean, you know, this is this is insane. <laughs> if you think, you know, America of 1950s, and and yet we're doing it because the world is changing around us. And I think this change and that's technology, that that's that's climate, that's that's all sorts of different things are making us afraid. And when we are afraid. 
we just like the because at the end of the day we're still animal we are still a very simple animal we follow we try to to find the leader find someone that will say it's going to be all right and that's again i'm not talking about today because i'm not a uh i'm not an expert of of, of the politics today but i'm looking at the past and what is what has changed and those politicians been always there they've been saying i'm going to take care of you I'll, everything going to be all right i'm going to be i'm going to make you proud again the only thing you need to give to me is a bit of your freedom. It's, 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 in this trust, you don't really need to be involved. Actually, the less involvement, the better. I'll take care of you. Um, and that's what's been happening. So um, what, is what, what is different, the, the one major difference that makes today different from 70s, 1970s, or 1960s, or 1930s, and so on and so on, is actually an internet. Because never in the past it was so easy to be so silly as today. You know, in a, in a sense that if you choose to believe that our Earth is flat, you can put it in, 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 in your internet and you will find 1,200 1, books that will prove that Earth is flat. But that's because we're choosing that because really, in reality, finding the, the, the truth is very easy today also because the, uh, the information is out there. You could Google and you could find and you could realize what is the facts and what is the reality that's happening. We're choosing to take the one person who gives us the, the stupidity that we want or the, the proof to what we're looking for, but we're stuck on what we want. Daniel, you well, I would disagree. Say. I think it's, it's, it's never been so difficult to find the truth truth uh as it as it is today precisely because so many because it's it's all everything is out there in the past if you want to learn something if you want to you know if you want to find an information about whether the earth is flat you had to go to the library you had to find a book there was a chance that this book was a thick book that was written by a number of of people with phds that, that spent a lot of lot of time training themselves and 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 Often, unfortunately, those people would come with very wrong uh, 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 messages. You know, it, it, it's it's not that we 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 knew that the the flat uh, the the earth is round from very beginning, but at least you had a limited number of options um, because the knowledge was was for the elite. Um, and today, knowledge is everywhere. I mean, information not knowledge information is everywhere. Uh, news are everywhere. But but to find this real true story, um, it's I think it's just just getting getting more and more difficult. But we still can choose. We still can go online and decide if we're going to learn a, a psychology study from Howard or we're going to watch on TikTok a great student in the dorm saying yeah, your three tips, psychology tips, hack for the day, and then now we're with all our wisdom. Uh, so it is in our power and in our choice to get there. Uh, as we're going, Daniel, I want you to comment, but I also want you to explain to us, and then so we can continue this discussion, what is the definition of uh, structural violence? What does it mean? Where does it come into play? And then you can, let's take it from there. You, you're torturing me because I want to respond to the Go for it. Respond. Respond. I'm a nice person. You should know. Go for it. Respond. <laughs> I think, you know, um, the... There was a brilliant thinker by the name of Leo Tao who wrote a book um, called The Postmodern Condition and basically coined the term postmodern. And he predicted something in the 70s before internet really exploded. He said, knowledge, gaining knowledge is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be about validating knowledge. And he spoke specifically about the fact that as knowledge increases, 
we're going to have a demise of expertise. And that's exactly what we've seen. Like you so rightfully say, is that um, everybody can go on the internet. That's why I don't do it on, 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 on radio stations, you know, the top 10 tips of how to handle anger. Because that's not what psychology is about. Psychology is not about self-improvement. It's about understanding wisdom, process, and principles. And that's what we do lose at this point in time, is the power of understanding expertise, the, the understanding of process, that things take time for knowledge to be fully able to be developed. Because then, if we allow process with knowledge, then we gain wisdom. And one thing we're lacking horribly in the world right now is wisdom based on humanity. That's where we, we're very in trouble. You know, Daniel, I'm smiling because Sana, the amazing producer, is sitting right next to me. And I know that if I would tell her, Sana, for next week, I need you to get me five, five psychologists or ten psychologists that will say that psychology is not about wisdom. It's actually about being a better person. She will do that in a blink of a second. So it, it's, and that's exactly the concept that we're looking at. And, and we do have all the options and we need to stay, you know, based, which means in a way that people with an opinion today um, about what's happening and people that are, are destroying our, our, our diversity and people that are creating an animosity between groups are people that are in a way, uh, and I'm going to say this in a friend this, it would be too easy to just blame our politicians. It would be unfair to blame our politicians because they also have the choice of who to identify. And I'm almost finding that people are having their thoughts and, and political thoughts and thoughts towards other groups based on the people they relate to and choose to connect to and not based on research or fact. I think that's I why books like A Brave New World um, and um, what's it? Uh, now I've forgotten. The 90, is it 1984? Have I got the, the right year? Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, we've become dependent um, on other people in order for us to be able to have an opinion. I think nothing has shown that more than um, the election processes of both Obama and Trump coming into power that a lot of that was on this idea of identity politics and binary. So you're defined just by one or two sentences. And so the diversity of my own critical engagements becomes an, uh, becomes, uh, gets put into the question. And we've just lapped this up. And yeah, I mean, if we want to think about an analogy of how we relate to politicians, it's kind of like a child being upset with their parents when they don't get the Christmas present that they want. Um, it's got to do with this idea as if I'm unable and so codependent on politicians changing society when we, but we need to remember, I mean, this country was basically changed on individuals who stood up for what is right. So the power of an individual and not often a politician Subukwe was a professor um, who wasn't allowed to be a professor because of the rules. Um, Biko was a doctor. Um, but those men changed the way in which we did it. Uh, um, uh, Mandela and Oliver Tambo were lawyers. Um, and I right. think that that's a key part of this is we all have the ability to change the environments in which we have, although there is a collective need and a zeitgeist for change. 
But I'm also thinking there's never been a more perfect time for change than now because everything is in conflict. It, it, the whole world is so, in conflict right wh- now. Which in a way is putting us that maybe we're forgetting what's happening here, which we'll discuss right after the uh, next break because we do need to take our next ad break and we will be right back to continue this fascinating discussion. And I'm here with Daniel Dan Hollander, who is a clinical psychologist and works with uh, structural tra- uh, um, violence as well as trauma, uh, Jacob Nokowski, who is a, the, the director of the Holocaust and Genocide Center in Cape Town. And really, we need to continue this discussion in recent events. Just a quick break. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back, and as you are well aware, or if not, you're joining now, you should be aware. We're here. I'm here with uh, clinical psychologist Daniel Dan Hollander and Jacob Nokowski, who is the director at the Holocaust and Genocide Center in Cape Town. And we're discussing, you know, the situation and, and reality that we're facing now. And you know, right before the break, we did speak a bit about politics, which I have to say fascinates me that we are going to elections with the main discussion not being necessarily load shedding, water, crime, streets, potholes. It's actually being our pride and our thoughts about in the Middle East, which uh, I'm sure there's a lot of logic and reasoning uh, to where we're going. But it always raises the question of, you know, there's so much... Uh, important things to deal with in the world, are we not responsible first to look at our children, our families, our future in our community, in our country, before we look at the world? Or not? Maybe we should look at the world. Daniel? I think we first have to look at ourselves. I think um, what you see in Cape Town right now, and that comes back to your original question, is what I do see in Cape Town is a lot of people really hurting. And um, they're hurting because of trauma. They're hurting. And their hurt often comes out as anger. Is so how do we deal with this, this anger? So let's go Say to that. So let's focus on that. How do we go? How do we deal with the anger that's coming based of trauma and getting to healing even? So you've got to understand that with trauma there, or with hurt, there is only ever two responses. The one is sadness and the other one is anger. Anger in its most constructive form protects, in its most destructive form it destroys. Um, and, and specifically within a con- community that becomes from diversity to division, um, it excludes. And um, I think in regards to that, the problem is, and, and we saw that with, with the politicians, is that the moment that there's anger, immediately it wants to be suppressed. And then we get those old ideas of it's uncivilized and so forth. The problem is if you suppress anger, then you suppress the hurts. And then the hurt simmers and then it becomes more destructive. And there's just been too many examples internationally of it. You know, that's why we never move forward. So you have to listen to the anger. You have to be honest with the anger. And thank goodness for, for the movie directors that uh, we all enjoy because they they absolutely bring those difficult dynamics of, of that kind of anger to the fore. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here with a book that I showed you, the Art Spiegelman story of, of Mouse. 
And I want to center on one very important note there around his, because the book is, in a sense, although it talks about, about what took place, it talks about the Holocaust, what it also talks about is his relationship with his grandfather, the fact that his grandfather did not want to communicate to him. And the key thing there, uh, and if you don't hear anything else of today and this becomes essential, this is important, is two things. You deny the anger, you deny the hurt. And secondly, that trauma silences and healing connects. The more we talk, the more stories we tell. I think that's why what Jacob is doing is so important. The more that we keep the stories and the narratives alive, the more chance we have of integration and connection and healing. Unless we do a nationwide uh, DBT program for us as a community. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely. From the, from the trauma and, and healing. But that when we t are we not in a space that the anger is going to in a very destructive direction? <laughs> Um, in my experience, the only time that anger becomes destructive is when somebody feels like their hurt is being denied. That's when anger becomes destructive. So anger expressed is not destructive. That's constructive. But anger denied means that the anger has to be increased. And that's where it becomes destructive. And in a way, anger... If we talk, if we go back to the elections and we talk about what are the topics and people that are sitting in, in townships and sitting without electricity or water or without structures, that anger is completely neglected. I want to say amen. <laughs> and exactly that. Um, and that's the structural violences that we talk about, the social inequality. Um, a very good example of that was the Durban uh, July uprisings of, of, of a few years ago, where all the emphasis came down on, on the safety and security, um, but we forgot what, the, what the, the, the protest was really about, about people having had enough of living in social inequality with no one wanting to help them. That's the message, and that's the message that gets silenced. So I agree. And, and recognizing the trauma and recognizing what people are struggling through is the first step as healing as a collective. And the fact that the answer is collective. And yet what we always do, you know, we spend our money on security. We spend our money on ourselves, building up higher walls, more complicated beam systems in the house. Where in actual fact, if we spent the same money, if we paid our, spent our security money, on things like community development programs, making sure that every single one of our brothers and sisters in this beautiful country have an opportunity to excel, to allow their imagination to grow. But you see, the problem is, is, is that requires us to have a different stance, to maybe even identify that they are our brothers and sisters. That's where it starts. To see that behind the fence is someone we can relate to instead of just investing more in our uh, load shedding immune electric fence. Um, we do need to take our, our last break, ad break for the show. And when we come back, we'll uh, start wrapping up and continuing a short break. We'll be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 
We are back and we're really towards the end of a very fascinating discussion right here. And because we're running out of time and we're really reaching towards the end of the show, I'm just going to ask one question to both of you. And let's take six, 30 seconds for each and, and then we'll start uh, heading towards the end. Seeing the amazing work you are doing and educating and, and investing in our society, what do you hope? What do you wish? What do you hope to see in 20 years from now? What do you wish for our country? What do you wish for our society? What do you wish going forward? And, you know, Jacob, I'll start with you. You're actually doing that work. And it's fascinating that um, the numbers, if we look at what's happening at your center, that at these times, I would think maybe it would be a struggle for you to bring in more kids. You're actually at a 10% uh, increase beyond capacity. So it's amazing. Um, I mean, I feel for you for the hard work you're doing, but at the same time, it's amazing work and important. So well done to you. But what do you wish to see after all this work going forward? Well, and, and, and you, thank you. And, and I think it, it may come as a, as a paradox is that actually... Um, I think we, we, we need to be able to let go of the past, to understand that the past, past decisions of our fathers, of our forefathers, or even the past decisions of ourselves don't need to define in no way our future decisions. It's important, it's terribly important to remember about the past because all the mistakes and also some of the good things that we've been able to do. Uh, so the past is a mirror in which we can try to see the future that comes. But I think that, that, that what I would wish to see in, 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 in here and in other places in Ukraine and Russia and, 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 and so many other places is people that are able to move beyond the past, to understand that for them, and that's very true for Israel and Palestinians, that the future lay somewhere in some different you know environments, that in order for us collectively to live better, we need to make peace. And we can make the peace despite the past. The past doesn't define us in no way. It's our daily decisions that make the future. And, and the change can start today with you and me. That's the power of the, of the history. It shows us that we can change our minds, that we can change the world around us should we only wish to. Um, I hope that would be the, 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 the message. That would be the, the ideal scenario in which we let go of the past in a sense that we remember, we are aware, we are sorry, and when we're, we're smarter. Um, and move forward from there. But at the end of the day, we're able to make better decisions for us and for our kids, for this young, young boy of Daniel's or girl. Uh, at the end of the day, this and is what it matters. And he's not stuck this at home with, he's enjoying to be at home with, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what do you hope and wish? How can I beat what Jacob just said? Now? I mean, that was beautiful. Yeah, exactly that. And, um, you know, maybe a bit of a selfish one. If I add on to that, this is that, uh, I mean, I've got two boys called Josh and Nathan. Um, and um, I think uh, a South Africa and a world that makes more sense to them, um, where, where diversity and, and the principles that makes us strong um, is, is what's fostered within society. But now I'm going to sound like John Lennon. Um, but then post that is... <laughs> that I want that not just for myself, but every brother and sister that I meet um, on my path. And um, the fact, and it would be lovely if we lived in a society where what brought us together is stronger than, um, than what we perceive as our differences. 
Amazing. And as you said before, amen. And I believe that we can and we should, and that's what we need to thrive towards. That Thank you so much for being with me today. It was really a pleasure and joining. Thank you, Daniel, Dan Hollander, clinical psychologist. Thank you, Jacob Nukowski. I'm going to get it, uh, who is the head of the director at the Center of the Holocaust and Genocide. Thank you, Senna, for putting the show together. Thank you, Craig, for being such a great manager of the show. And thank you to our listeners more than anyone. this is what we need to do. We need to talk, learn, grow, and achieve, and find the real important stuff. Not everything else we can find online as knowledge as we spoke. Stay safe, and we will be back next week, two to three, as we do every week, please God, and just continue our journey of growth. The Chai Chinuch Show was brought to you by King David Schools, instilling Jewish values, delivering exceptional education, and inspiring a life of purpose.